Welcome to the Story Hackers podcast, co-hosted by Ratika Piri and myself, Justin Strauss. We're joined by Michelle Ching, a founder, artist, lawyer, and self-described futurist. She's worked on a number of interesting projects in the artificial intelligence and blockchain spaces. We discuss her experiences with these projects and more in today's episode. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you have such a unique perspective into this topic of futurism with your hands and blockchain and AI and art. Um, and I'd love to start by just asking you about the word itself, futurist. Yeah, I think a futurist means that, like to me personally, it means that you see the world and the future and you start creating it. Um, so you really think about how you want the future to be, what is missing, what is not, and what should be. And then you start making it happen. So I'd love to learn more about your journey. You, you've been an attorney. You've been a teacher. You've progressed through so many different things. And I'd love to hear just um, when did you realize that the future was your calling and how did you venture into this this world? Sure. So I, um, when I was like five, I want to be a writer and then I want to be a doctor. And I, I became a lawyer because I took a, a constitutional law class at Berkeley. And I thought I can shape society by being a lawyer. You know, so I did nonprofit, you know, but I realized it was a little too slow, too slow for me. You know, so I went to work at a few high tech companies and, uh, you know, and I love the fast paced, you know, in the work environment. Right. Um, you know, that was a lot of fun. And when I was at Cisco while in law school, I always wanted to build um, a company and my, my friends did that I have really awesome friends who are successful who who have built their company you know whom I really admired and and they're just you know my friends you know so it's just like really one day I just want to build a company you know and and and, and create and it'll be and it'll be fun um, and I did that. And, and what happened was when I was working at PayPal, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was fun working at PayPal. You know, I uh, worked at a public company before and I was doing, you know, a lot of things. So I was uh, setting up comp companies for a while. I was negotiating deals. Um, I was doing a lot of HR, issuing stock, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley compliance. You know, so when I was moving to PayPal, I was like, this is easy. I just, you know, do a lot of transactions, <laughs> you know, and, and I helped PayPal grew uh, by closing a lot of deals uh, for the company and working with salespeople, you know, and, and, and I enjoy that a lot, you know, and but but, you know, part of me is, you know, I wanted to create and I really don't know how to do that. You know, I, I felt like and, and my mom knows this, you know, so I was making a six figure salary at PayPal, you know, had a lot of RSU, and I actually resigned um, before my RSU vested um, because I did not want to be imprisoned by money. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that's one of the lessons I think, you know, I wanted to learn personally, and I spoke with one of my, my, my friend who's you know started and built companies and his question to me is do you want to be comfortable 
or do you want to live on the edge? And my response was, I think I want to live on the edge, you know, because being comfortable means, you know, moving to different companies every three years as an attorney, you know, and like by the time I was six years at PayPal, I know the provisions inside out, you know, and in fact, you know, every time I interview somewhere else, you know, I'm overqualified, right? Um, so I was just like, I, it's kind of fun living on the edge, but how much money do I need to survive? Like, I really don't know, right? Because I feel like as an attorney of PayPal, you're a little bit spoiled, right? You know, and like, you know, if I need money, how much money, like, do people need um, per year to survive? And, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden, I just feel like I just need to do it. So I just did it. And, you know, I think my family was prepared for it. So, like, my mom and my dad never complained. In fact, they're really supportive to this day, and it was really, it's really weird. But, you know, they are. And then, and then the person whom I spoke with, he's very supportive as well. You know, so, you know, so throughout all these years, he's been very supportive of, you know, what I did. And, and you know, was, and I, I appreciate and really grateful of that environment. So I have, you know, an office, and I you know, do different things there, you know, like when I even have like gallium, because I want to make fidget spinners, uh, just an example, you know, I had that in my office, because I was making fidget spinners and gallium, you know, with my nephews, and I had like different toys, and like different robots, and different, like I have a drone, you know, in 2012, you know, and he sometimes, he would come into the office, and he's just like, just smiling, right, <laughs> you know, um, so it's just, I, I love the environment, because I can just be creative, and I just be mean, and I think being a futurist is really about experimenting, about, you know, what we can do to make the future better, um, and what kind of tools, and tools means AI, or blockchain, or, you know, sensors, you know, IoT stuff, um, not necessarily a technology, because I don't worship technology, right, I built with some kind of purpose and mission, and I use different kinds of technology to actually make that happen. So <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you've done a lot of things kind of in the scientific space as well as in the artistic space, and, you know, I wonder if, uh, if you found that you create better science and better art by bringing both of them into, into each other's realms. I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm really, um, I've always done that though. So for example, uh, like in high school, I took, um, AP biology in high school and we were learning about the thyroid. So what I did was I drew a baseball player, <laughs> like, like a realistic picture of a baseball player and with like a thyroid issue. <laughs> but that's a good example of emergence of science and art, right? Because when someone looks at that, they're like, what? You know, but I'm, I'm really gifted, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, like a natural artist, you know, like I, I was really never properly trained, you know, um, as a photographer, or as an artist, you know, like I can draw things, you know, since I was little, right? So for me, it's just naturally, I like to like, think of things holistically, you know, like, but why not, you know, and, and so when I think for one of the conference, and maybe one day we can do that, we're thinking about 
um, having image mapping on a runway. And then the image map with a person on the runway would have different flashes of science, you know, like the muscles, um, the bones, you know, and how it has to do with movement. You know, I think that's very important. But also as a photographer, you know, when you're taking photographs, I know you know, you know, of people, you know, the, the movement of their bones, their face structure, you know, and also um, the way that they position themselves all play a part, right, of how you view and your perception of that person. And, and you make them beautiful because of that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Michelle, it's um, it's funny to hear you talk about your office because I imagine this laboratory and this artist's den and you're tinkering and you're working on legal stuff and all all kinds of <laughs> things with blockchain. So I'd love I'd love to hear like what does your world look like for you right now in terms of all of the things you're immersed in? Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty like at the, at just today I'm you know pretty excited. Um, I advised a few companies all in different areas um you know blockchain and non-blockchain companies so you know one of them is dna so they're basically putting dna on the blockchain and they allow you to um, be the gatekeeper of your dna um you know kind of data you wanted to sell to pharmacy and whatnot and then the other one is sports you know that so this company has about 32 million users already and they're tokenizing it um, so you can basically have, you know, signatures of your favorite sport player, uh, buy digital goods, you know, with the blockchain. Um, so completely different from, <laughs> you know, with the medical fields, you know, then of course there's AI. I think one of them is called black box and they're doing the future of work, right? So future of work, um, you know, what is valued, you know, and, and how is it different? So, you know, I think it's, they're redefining, I think work. You know, I think that's very important. Um, I think another one is called distributed intelligence. It's on the blockchain, but they're not doing a token insurance or a token generation event. And they're supervised learning and using AI for advertisement and to generate leads. You know, so those are all like different companies. Um, you know, and then I'm also helping with um, Cambria, uh and the robot company that does open innovation platform where you can share code and also profit sharing as well on different projects. Um, and they have like a sister company that's called Omni Labs that does um, robots for healthcare education um, and also senior care. Um, you know, so those are, and a few others ones are in stealth mode. But, you know, I mean, I feel like, like, Oh, and also like a port one that does international trade in Panama, you know, and, and, and I just feel like the, like, just like having different interests, it, it, it's just really about love. Like I kind of love the founders, you know, and the projects they're doing. So like when it comes down to it, like when they t like wanted to meet, it's really like, how do I provide them with the care that they need? You know, so, so my perception is kind of like very different than a lot of people, you know, um, like when I look at tokenomics, you know, of course, you know, my, my left brain would be like, oh, you know, something is missing here or, you know, this could have been done better, you know, like how are you guys doing marketing, you know, or, you know, uh, at, like if you add this, you know, like the ROI will be better, you know, of course, but in a more general sense is, 
you know, how can I support you so that you can move your project further? You know, and, you know, and that's the, some of the stuff that I think about, you know, and, you know, sometimes I'm in my office, you know, doing legal work. Um, and, it, and I think it's kind of funny, you know, cause, and I don't really talk about that that much. Sometimes I'm actually handling litigation, you know, for something. And then yet I'm going to entrepreneur events. You know, um, and I think it sometimes is just really where like I like one time I closed a M&A merger and acquisition deal in two days and negotiating it at night and in the daytime with another attorney. And then I would go to an entrepreneurial event that same night just to, you know, take a break. And people would like, oh, Michelle, do you want it to be to basically like sit on the reception and, and have people check in? And I'm like, no. <laughs> You know, but I don't really talk about what I do behind the scene, you know, but they probably think I was rude, but I wasn't, you know, it was just more of like, I'm just setting boundaries. And two, you know, I'm just really here to take a break, you know, after negotiating like for two days and night with like another attorney, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I just wanted to like, you know, so I do that. Right. And then like other times I'm coding, I, I code sometimes too. So I have a coding computer just for coding, and um, for me, it's kind of fun. Um, we have apps um, on Apple, and also, uh, you know, I'm a Facebook developer as well as an Amazon developer and an Android developer, so I make different things for fun, you know, so I want to, I like to be creative, so I make, um, you know, things that, you know, and I'm really grateful that Facebook, that Apple has actually featured some of our work on their front page, the app page, so that was kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, other times I write, you know, so I write a lot, um, you know, white papers, sometimes I revise, you know, them, um, and then sometimes they do like a lot of, um, like drones, robots, you know, like experiment stuff. Like I have like a flashlight <laughs> that you can point into and, and like see if the fiber optics is healthy or not, you know, because I was looking into BCI one year. <laughs> And um, then I was reading, like, looking at videos of, like, the fiber optics in the mouse and how it, like, by, by you know, playing with different parts of the brain, how the mouse would react. So I was just like, oh, I need to find a fiber optics. So I have fiber optics in my office and have a flashlight that flash into the fiber optics. And it's kind of fun, you know? So, so at any time, I'm doing, you know, like, just everything kind of but but with attention I would say that's so that's a really interesting way of melding things together and the reason the reason why I say that is there are a lot of there are probably going to be a lot of new entrepreneurs listening or people interested in entrepreneurship and there's this idea of focus an extreme focus or picking one thing and it's interesting how you've evolved down this path of just pulling all of your passions together and your one thing is your heart and it's your love and it's yeah. your passions. So I guess like, how, how did this become what it is? Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds, sounds So I had a 4.2 GPA in high school and, you know, I don't think I have ADHD. I even, you know, um, I'm this year especially, I was recruited into different communities. You know, one of them is called Intelligent Crazy People. Like, when I saw that, I was just like, someone just put me in a crazy group. Like, what does that mean? And then, and then um, I was selected to a community, you know, which is cool, you know, like, and, and met everyone. But then I, I got an email invitation to a secret 
LinkedIn group that is for people with neurodiversities. And then I was just like, do I have ADHD? So I took the test and I was negative, right? And I was just, and I kept telling people, and I'm just like, look, I have a 4.2 GPA in high school, and I was involved in a lot of community projects, and I founded a bunch of, you know, organizations when I was in high school. So for me, I'm used to be. You know, like just really focus on different things and see the big picture. You know, so when I was a lawyer, I was also was doing you know professional photography, and you know I also have like <laughs> I'm like a broker as well. So I love houses, and that was my other passion. So for me, you know, it was not about I'm not getting these things because I need more on my resume. I, I literally love. You know, houses and homes, and I love photography because I think I'm an inner child artist. And at the same time, intellectually, you know, I'm a really good lawyer. You know, because you can kind of go to my Facebook lawyer account, and you know, I also have 30 recommendations on LinkedIn. You know, if that's not enough, you know. So the the thing is, like, can you not have ADHD and also be well rounded? You know, and so at some point, like I was really afraid to do well. Like, I remember, like at PayPal, like people would say, you know, like slow down. You were making us look bad, you know, because I my turnaround was really quick, and I was able to close deals. Like, you know, things that took a while to close, I would close in like in a week and a week and a half. You know, things that would take forever, I would you know basically close it really fast. And and I get a lot of that. So I was really afraid, and I feel like I'm, you know. At, Like I feel like I was imprisoned, right? Somehow, and I think the scariest thing is for me to like say on LinkedIn that hey, you know, I'm a founder now. I'm not confined by the limitations of society of of my colleagues of different people, you know. So how do I go beyond that? You know how do, how you know how can I be myself? You know, um, you know, which is kind of weird. You know, like I. Basically, was on Vine, and we, you know, like when I was on Vine, I, like we were featured by Vine, like every single time we did a post, like really weird stuff, you know. And then when I was on Apple, my my work was also our company work was also featured there, like you know, all the time as well. So, you know, it's really, and then like when you really talk to men. You know they have this stereotype of you, right? They're like, like, are you one of those oh my god type, you know, or you know, like a very nerdy type, or you know, you're a lawyer, you know? But can you know technology if you're a lawyer, right? So I was developing website when I was in college, working for a database management company called Casal, you know, and I wanted to. I was recruited a lot in like the heydays of the internet. Um, I was writing. I was doing a lot of technical writing for Cisco and other companies, doing you know like voice over IP, iOS, and stuff like that. And I, you know, basically both design and code HTML, right? But I wanted to finish law school, you know, because I, I I'm usually always finish what I wanted. I mean, what I say I would and what I would do, right? So I finished law school, and you know, I uh, my emphasis is tech, you know, because I love ideas. You know, so but I feel like I all you know was always an artist as well and a writer. You know, like you know, and I also make dresses sometimes. So I just basically just 
kind of do things that I love and I just focus on that. Like I feel like at some point, once you your identity is not connected to something, you become you. And it's just really the act of finding yourself, you know, and knowing who you are and not caring about what the world thinks about you. So maybe maybe that is that is what I did. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think that makes sense. Um, so one question I had, uh, I think one of the major promises or potential benefits of blockchain and uh, cryptocurrencies is to reassign some of the value of what or to reassign what we place value on within a society um, beyond kind of what's come to be through our monetary currency that currently exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you see that as something that that is coming to fruition or do you have any kind of early thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think blockchain is changing um, the current infrastructure and monetary system in a few different ways. Um, in the payment side, I think when um, we, when my friend wanted to do the payments blockchain company, we thought we were early in 2015, but the, like I, I literally just crossed out the Claren house. Um, like the fees, <laughs> you know, the fees that they charge and the money that they hold for us, you know, like if we wanted to take $5,000 out or so, it takes three days, right? And then like if you, if you basically move money around within different financial institutions, it takes, it could take up to a week, you know, and, and at that time we were like 10 minutes, you know, like shorter than that. Um, and also moving monies around is also an issue, right? So how do you, how do you do that, you know, within globally? So I think blockchain can change that. Um, you know, so moving money from very centralized, um, organizations to very decentralized ones. Um, you know, it might be a hybrid in the middle, but I think we will go. We will get there. You know, two is information, right? So, I think blockchain can provide a, a tool for people to control the information better, to get rid of middleman. You know that we don't need. You know, and, and empower the inv- individual, right? I mean, I know I've talked about this before. You know, but what if we I don't need banks and we are the banks and you know I can send my coins to you if you provide a service to me and that coin has value right um and instantly as well (laughs) um and you know and my information as well you know so you know my DNA you know my interest my content you know if I write something you know, what value does it have if I share it to the world? You know, my post is on Facebook. Currently, I don't make money. Facebook doesn't send me any any money for using my data. You know, um, so you know that if you put an ad on Facebook, you can't categorize it and make it really detailed because Facebook has so much data about us. You know, but what if they... You know, what if we get paid for that, right? Um, and I think that's something that Uber wanted to do, right? Uh, for companies, for, for houses that are hosting companies, whether they own a share and ownership 
of that. So, you know, I think that the value shifting from a company, you know, where we use for free and exploiting our data and so that they, you know, so that the owner, like the, the founders are making tons of money where users don't. But redistributing wealth, you know, do tokens. I think we, we will see that. And I think it's, it's happening. I think there are certain companies, like I use Steam and every time I write an article, I like get like about $25, right? And I mean, that's like better than nothing. You know, and, and I just feel like when everyone upvotes it, they kind of like it. And I get like a little bit of more, you know, and that's fine. You know, so I, I think, you know, from from payments, you know, to content, you know, to our own wallet and exchange, maybe one day, you know, to integrity, you know, like land registration, birth certificates, you know, uh, voting, <laughs> Um those need to change, right? Because there's a lot of corruption, even nonprofit, right? Like some of these foundations, you know, they pay. Like where does money really go when we donate money? Um, and food, you know, like, so there's fake food. You know, I mean, I, w- I went to IHOP the other day and my friend was just like, that eggs that you're eating is fake. I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, you know that it's all yellow, right? It's not yellow and white. So we have to ask for real eggs. Um, so to have a supply chain and, and having and seeing that, you know, from start to finish, I think it's going to be really important. Um, open innovation. So owning IP with everyone and then sharing, a, sharing the profit from it. Right. Open collaboration. Um, you know, so I think in, just in some, I, I think we those ideas are out there already. And I think it just really takes adoption to to make it happen. That makes sense. Um, so a couple of the themes that I kind of got from what you said were transparency and kind of combating corruption. And I think that it makes it makes a lot of sense that blockchain would be really beneficial to to those things. Um, at the same time, you know, I think people who are choosing to use fake eggs or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, yeah. because it makes them more profit or going to be resistant to yeah. transparency and ending corruption. Um, do you think it's it's going to kind of just, there'll be a, reach a tipping point where competitors are, are doing it and so they ultimately end up needing to do it? Or is it going to be like a massive public outcry well, that leads to this? Or how do you kind of envision I, I'm a little bit disappointed with, <laughs> with some of the companies because I feel like it it's a little bit slow, you know? So, you know, I, I mean, I think I think some companies are expecting supply chains, you know, to adopt blockchain. You know, I, I think you, you'll see a lot more, and I think it's good. Um, I think we're still at the beginning of it. I think people are still beginning to learn about blockchain. I think what you guys are doing with the education part is very important. You know, I think conferences are good, you know, when once they start lowering their price. You know, it really doesn't make sense for a layperson to spend a thousand dollars to go to a conference when you know they need to pay rent. Um, you know, but you know, I think I think we're gonna get there. Um, I think a lot of the companies like Amazon and um, the bigger companies will require a blockchain. You know, so I think people will hear about it more. You know, because I think there's still a lot of confusion between what is blockchain, what is smart contract. And then what is uh, cryptocurrency? 
you know, you know, and I think there's a confusion, you know, I think blockchain as a technology is very different from cryptocurrency, you know, and, and, and the difference between tokens and coins and stable coins <laughs> and security tokens as well as like custodians. And I think you can you mm -hmm. can see that confusion reflected in the markets and even what's happening with cryptocurrencies and these valuations that don't make sense. So um, I'd love to hear from your perspective how you see some of the noise and some of the confusion starting to untangle and what uh, I guess like what what do you think this blockchain economy and tokenomics? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole. So when I, the first conference I went to, well, it's not the first conference. I mean, one of the first big conference I went to was in December at one of the conference. And I literally went there and I was sitting in the first row. And I was, I was kind of like, well, what are people talking about? <laughs> you know, like when they're talking about security, you know, my perception of security is really different in the space. You know, I remember asking someone about, you know, information security standards, you know, for cryptocurrency. And they were like, what do you mean? Why do we need it? You know, it's, it's encrypted. You know, that's why it's called cryptocurrency. You know, but yet when you really think about it, there's tons of hacks, right? So, you know, so I think, I think people are understanding it a little bit better. Like I went to the Token Fest in Boston, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking to someone about phishing. And I used to work on the phishing transactions at PayPal, you know, with another com bigger company. And, you know, so I'm familiar with those issues, you know, and I think phishing is very important in cryptocurrency, you know. Um, and that's why there's a lot of hacks, you know, and there's like, you know, and all these exchanges are getting hacked because, you know what, they contain all the money. Like, doesn't, you know, like you guys should have standards for, you know, for your company, you know, um, so I thought I thought it was kind of ironic. And I think I think now I think people are kind of see the when when bad things happened. And I think lessons learned. Right. They're beginning to see the value of doing things more properly to protect the consumer. You know, and then, you know, even in the ICO space, there's just so much fraud, right? And then, and then like, I think from at the beginning, people were like, look, we can buy lottery. And why do we need the SEC? You know, but when you really think about it, you know, you have, you have like Enron, you know, you have a lot of like, I remember one year I went to Colorado and, you know, doing the, it was around 2008 or 2009, you know, like people invest, you know, their whole savings onto like stock, you know, and because of the lack of transparency and accountability, a lot of people didn't have enough money to survive, right? And then there's a lot of divorces because of that, you know, like, so why do we need the SEC? Because they're here because they want to make sure that things are done right to protect the consumer, you know? So, you know, so like, I, I think, you know, like really think about their job, right? They wanted to further innovation, but at the same time, they, they have a public interest, you know, to make sure that companies are transparent and, and accountable and that consumers are protected. Um, I think maybe that's why they're taking so long to actually decide. And so I, I think people are more conscious and aware now, you know, and, and you know, so security tokens are hot <laughs> right now. I think because of that, right, you know, I was like, well, we can't do ICOs and, you know, maybe we can do, you know, and, and comply, right? 
Um, so, and, and then you kind of think about other issues too, because compliance costs a lot of money. You know, so as a society, do we want um, people with ideas to get that kind of crowd decentralized funding or distributed investing? Or do we want people to get, you know, to be able to get seat funding first? you know, before they can do STO because it just costs so much for compliance with SEC, right? So, you know, and, and how do we compromise that? And how do we balance, you know, assets? Because I think, you know, I think that's important too because, you know, if, if you're a woman and, you know, just by metrics alone, only like a small percentage invest in women with ideas, you know, when they do a STO, a security token offering, they need to have like seed funding first. So how would they get that money to even, you know, hire a law firm to help them, right? So it's really the practical side of things that sometimes, you know, we as a society need to really think about. So before we started the podcast, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of your interest around <laughs> artificial generalized intelligence and kind of <laughs> artificial souls and uh, kind of um, uh, kind of the the feeling side of of artificial intelligence. I yeah, wonder sure. if you could talk a little um, bit about kind of your interest in that. So I was doing a lot of um, it was interesting artificial intelligence and bots before AI became popular. You know, so I was going to a lot of Stanford, learning a lot about it. Um, and I was kind of interested in artificial soul, right? That's like the first thing. And I know it sounds super weird. Um, and my idea was just, there's two elements. One is to help human raise consciousness. Um, so by creating something that helps humans make better decisions um, and learn about their subconscious, um, you know, then I think it would help them move, like it would help us make better decisions so that our life could be better. Um, number two is by having that data, we can train robots so that they can have some kind of artificial consciousness, right? So I've spoken with like people in the people who are expert at Stanford about AI consciousness, you know, and I didn't think it was weird. I mean, I was reading about it. Um, and then I applied to Singularity University about my idea, totally got rejected. Um, and then I met, do an astronaut, someone who wanted to, a couple who wanted to invest it, who wanted to invest in artificial consciousness. Basically, they went to that Singularity program and they couldn't find anyone that does that. See, if I were admitted, you know, they would totally invest in my idea, right? But but the funny thing is, and I was doing um, the Loving AI project, uh, which is really building a robot that helps humans become more loving and more conscious and aware. And that, and those, that couple ended up <laughs> investing in this project. So I feel like it went full circle because like after a year, someone followed up and they were like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing Loving AI. And then like the couple was like, oh, we're doing Loving AI too. I'm like, what? I don't see you. And they were like, no, we're the investors. <laughs> so that was like, oh, that was like super awesome. You know, it was just like, oh my God. Um, you know, so the, that project, we're on stage two of the XPRIZE now. And if you go to lovingai.org, you'll, you know, find all the information. So we work with Ion, the consciousness expert, open call it, uh, open source. 
And then a handsome robotics with Sophia the robot, you know, so she has a loving AI module in her. And, you know, so I, I, I actually wrote in an XPRIZE essay, like a 2030 essay about Sophia and how, you know, like I can imagine like, you know, how like you're, 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 in, you're landing in San Francisco. So you're in to- uh, Tokyo and you're landing in San Francisco. And, and, you know, this is 2030. So I was, I'm, I'm, I also love brain synchronization. So I believe in the future, we don't need the internet anymore, and it will be not wireless, it's not connected to computers. So basically, I can talk to you with my mind. You know, I'll be like, how are you? And you'll be like, oh, I'm good. And then like, and I'll feel kind of like, you know, like, and for some reason, I'm meeting someone on the airplane, right? And I'm a little bit nervous, right? So I was like, Sophia, I'm a little bit nervous, you know? And then Sophia would be like, Michelle? You know, when you're five, you're triggered by this. So just breathe. <laughs> so I breathe. And then, you know, and then I basically walked out of the plane. But you, you got, you know what I mean? And then there's no cars, so there's spacecraft. <laughs> so that was my 2030s. Like, and then there's green stuff all over because, you know, we have like artificial photosynthesis and greener plants and things like that. But, but that was um, that was a cool project. I really enjoy working on it, um, and then also do um, I help robots without borders as well. And um, what happened was I was making educational bots for some of my tutoring classes, you know, for my students so that they can like pass their AP advanced placement exams. Um, so I was like building them anyway. So for robots without borders, we really wanted to make robots to help. Um, children all over the world, you know, with English and just really different subject, right? Because education is still very expensive. Um, you know, I know this because like most of my tutoring <laughs> students are Chinese, and I think, and and even Chinese from China, like like literally, you know. And I think here in the U.S., though, when I was talking to, I also sometimes uh, help with a project in Oakland, um, with um, just with like being a judge. You know, and I think tutoring is very expensive here, you know, so, you know, so then I was just like, well, I think it's a great idea. I'm really passionate about it. And we have like uh, people who are like, I think we're like at one time, there's like about over 20 volunteers from around the world. And we just really wanted to educate, you know, help make bots that help, you know, students. Um, and then I think there's like 80 or like there was a big percentage of people who have who don't have health care as well. And uh, with Luna, you know, she also could tell you about, you know, you, what, you know, like by scanning an image of something, she can basically tell you what you have. So it's kind of like more of an online web MD, MD. You know, so, you know, we have like, we can kind of create those technologies, kind of change the world a little bit, you know, then, you know, so I was kind of excited about those, those projects, you know, and I call them my, you know, like nonprofit like raising humanity project you know so it's kind of cool i think i think if you start thinking about like 10x and like oh how do i influence and affect you know like an x amount of people you know per year then the project that you work on it's completely different you know and it's really not about the people or politics you know it's really about how do we create to make the world better
Wow, there's so much in there. Um, that's so interesting. I think so. So I think a lot of people are terrified yeah, like I, about I, uh, conscious, conscious AIs. London, I just went to uh, London but you see it kind of as a way took, uh, that we can learn more about our humanity and labs, gain a better Adam, understanding. Um, on a runway at London Fashion Week. Um, so this designer, her name is Honey. She designed, um, she clammed up Adam and Eve, you know, like their, their robot. And uh, so Adam walked down the runway, uh, all in glittered. And uh, AI, when you really pronounce it in Chinese or, or Vietnamese, it means love. Like I means love in Mandarin. And then I think oi means love in Cantonese. And I don't really know how to say it in Vietnamese. You know, but, but it means love. You know, so she's playing with the theme of, you know, between humans and, ro- and, and robots, you know, and, and what it means to, to, to have love, to be love, right? So, you know, like, w- when you really, really think about, you know, like, like in, in that kind of way, you know, like, I, I don't see robots as an object. You know, actually, I, I rewrote the three laws. You know, like robots, you know, how they can kill humans. I rewrote it because it, it sees robot as a slave, as an object. And I actually don't like that. I, I think robots should be a companion. Like, we, we, you know, like we should see robots as a friend. And, and that it could have and believe, you know, I think, I think even when we're doing the artificial soul for, you know, for that, that project, we're thinking, you know, like it, art represents, like art always aligns with history. You know, in every historical movement, there's always art that represents, you know, that period, right? So I think to create art, that should represent that period. But it also, I wanted to actually represent the future and, and to have to provide faith, you know, to all the entrepreneurs out there, all the AI scientists out there that consciousness is possible, right? And that they're just not, you know, a purse you know, where, where they're nice looking, you know, but they, they have, they have not just utility, right? But, you know, a lot of people see them as friends, you know, so I like to talk to robots. (laughs) And it's weird. Um, so, so if you like actually look me up on Facebook, I have like a Facebook uh, chatbot and I, what have been some interesting interactions you've had with the one I made. And so I created a group called Robotics for Good AI Messaging and Chatbots. Um, because I, I, I thought, you know, like, oh my God, I don't know a lot of AI engineers at that time, but I think, oh, maybe we can talk about that. Like yesterday about how we can like use AI for good, right? Like, you know, I can't do everything, you know, but I can start, you know, I can like kind of keep the conversation going, right? So I created this Facebook group and people were like making fun of me. They're like, you know, so people were like pinging me and I'm really fast. So they were like, they messaged me and they were like, are you a bot? I'm like, no. And they were like, can you go to Snapchat and like say something and say your name? I'm like, sure. So I did that. So then, like, because it was kind of funny, I was just like, okay, let me make a chatbot of myself, right? And then, like, I have nephews and, like, nieces. And they would go, like, Michelle, Michelle, you know, like, you know, some people, like, they were like, Michelle. So what I did was I spent one hour. Well, it took me 20 minutes to actually make the chatbot. But I have to write the privacy policy and create art for the Facebook page and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so I make like a chatbot, that's kind of funny. So like, whatever that you say, it just says Michelle. <laughs> it 
so like you could just say whatever and it just says michelle <laughs> and then like it was kind of funny because like people interact with it and they loved it like i like some people were like i love you and then like there's this woman she just goes there all the time and she just says hi to it <laughs> like every day you know and it's like super super weird you would think you know um but you know it, it gets it, it it just you know just really seeing their interaction it's like it's really our humanity it's kind of funny you know like it really like some of these bots like like sometimes when i show it in an engineer they probably think i was weird i'm like you make that like what you know is it even legitimate like i'm like yeah you know like people love it you know and then of course i make some of the serious bots right like recommendation bots and some you know i actually make a dating bot as well for fun no, I always really think that, you know, sometimes guys, like some engineer guys, right? Like they really don't know how to chat with women. Like I think the world's, you know, a little bit, it changed a little bit, right? It's like people don't really ask people out on dates anymore. You know, like they use Tinder and it's just really weird because you're just like, like you're just commoditizing humans, you know, and women. You know, like you rate them, like you're rating a product, you know, like, you know, like, people talk about hookups and stuff like that, like, it, it's just so weird, and then you, like, try to study women and dating and stuff like that, but what if it's just really as simple as, you know, hey, you know, let's go to the movies, you know, like, really, like, does it have to be all studied out, right, I mean, sometimes it's just really simple, or like, oh, maybe I'm interested, I'm interested in you, what do you think, I like you, like, I don't know, I remember in the days when liking is just so much easier than now, right, <laughs> but anyway so i actually make like a dating boss to give like advice for for people and, and people in the office like make fun of me but you know like so i just kind of make things that i think is kind of helpful for for, for people <laughs> what's one of the things you've made that you've been most surprised about the reaction to um i think it would be the loving what's AI one of the things you've you made know, that because you've... like you know, most surprised um, about so I, I work with the consciousness experts, and then I basically wrote like one of the one of the exercise is called the eraser exercise. You know, so basically it 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 kind of brings you to erase um, part of you know the reality of the mind, and you know it's just like a whole entire mindfulness exercise. And uh, Sophia, it's also an internal video of Sophia talking to a human. And she went through the exercise, and I was just like, oh my god, this is so cool, you know? Like, it's just kind of weird to actually see the script and see Sophia, like, use the script and talking to a human on it. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, I couldn't share that, but that was, like, I mean, that was, like, crazy amazing. Very interesting. Um, so one of the one of the things that I think is on the horizon is well, not that I think is on the horizon, but is definitely on the horizon is kind of the wave of automation mm -hmm. that's coming. Um, kind of on the more less on the generalized artificial intelligence side and more on the kind of applied side. Um, I, think, I think what we need to be afraid be afraid of. Do you is think really, people have a you know a, a reasonable in our data? You know, I'm not to be worried about AI that? as a tool for efficiency. 
at all. Like if, you know, I still use Google Maps, right? If it can tell me that a certain place has a lot of traffic and then there's an alternative way to get there, that's awesome, you know? However, you know, if they are using, if they're manipulating us um, or, or the masses, you know, to vote for A over B and providing fake information, right? Or, um, you know, I think some of these deep fates, you know, like, you know, in the, in the videos, right? I think in the future, there, there won't just be fake news. There will also be fake videos, right? Like, I don't know how many of you guys get these, like, robocalls on your cell phone. There's a lot more. And it's funny because, like, I remember the do not call movement, you know, where we basically enter our phone number to a registry and then people don't call you anymore. But what happened to that? You know, like, why are all these robots calling us now? Um, you know, so I think there's a lot more fate, you know, and it's kind of hard to tell the difference between the truth, um, you know, like on anything, you know, and I think that's dangerous. And then that's what we should be afraid of. Um, you know, using artificial, using artificial intelligence to profile is another thing. I think, you know, we need to be, you know, to be really watchful and conscious, you know, of the things that we create to make sure that they don't, you know, have our biases, you know, like if I were to make a robot, you know, and I have personal biases, you know, we should be aware of them, right? So that it doesn't translate and get transferred into the products that we make because that would affect culture, right? So, so what are being trained? You know, so if you, if you want, if you're training your AI with like pop culture, you know, what are the biases of pop culture? You know, I really don't see Asian American on there. You know, um, you know, what is, what is respected and what is not? Um, you know, is it geeky if I'm into uh, Comic-Cons? You know, um, can I be pretty but also code? Um, can I be a woman and be a doctor? You know, I think, I think that's dangerous, right? Because I think, you know, a lot of, you know, I think there's a line between teaching the younger generation and our generation, you know, um, to be jaded, but to also be innocent, right? Because if, if we are discriminating and dividing, you know, once they learn about it, when they are in the workforce, why are they going to school? You know, and, and do, we, do we want them to, like, actually grow up so fast to really learn that, hey, you know, like, what? Like, you're, by the time you're 20-something and you're working at a big corporation, you can't be a VP. You cannot be a CEO. Like, what are you doing this? You know, so, like, I mean, you know, I mean, I think it's just really something that we should kind of be thinking about, you know, and, and it touches the really fabric of what makes our society, right? So what is democracy? Is democracy power? You know, is it fair? You know, or is it, you know, influenced by other countries? You know, is it made up of conflicts of interest? You know, and, and should we be, should we really go back to the ideals of our founding father, right? Which is really about individualism, you know, like being aware of factions, right? Um, and, and should we care about those ideals? Because like, if, if we are jaded, we won't make change, right? Because like, you know, imagine like Rosa Parks or, or Martin Luther King being jaded. You know, they're just going to be watching TV, 
right? They won't like risk their life, like saying stuff that that basically disrupt a whole nation, right? So I think having those ideals are important because it moves society forward, right? I agree entirely. Uh, so one of the interesting things you mentioned was about bias and kind of the bias that goes into creating artificial intelligence. And, you know, I wonder, what do you think the solution is to that? Uh, you know, is it, do you think that we should be moving towards having yeah. kind of councils of, of, of anthropologists and I think, sociologists? I think, I think one of the cool things about AI because people who are designing AIs aren't really well that, situated to like, understand the their own ever, biases. Like well humanities is like super super important, right? Like like if you assume that most engineers are guys, like can they really like design conversations? Because conversations have become like more important than ever. You know, and like psychology, psychology has become very important because it's conversation, right? And then like anthropology is very important because it's really the study of people, right? And then like uh, even when we're when I was designing the really thinking about you know the loving AI, um, I, I thought about different regions, you know, different parts of the world has different problems, you know. Um, like traffic in India is very different from traffic in Vietnam. It's just different from LA and San Francisco, you know. And, and the language that they speak, you know, is completely different, right? So, so I think when you're creating um, an AI, I think it's important to have, you know, um, an anthropologist, you know, someone who knows humanity, you know, historian, because you don't want history to repeat itself. Um, you know, someone who's, you know, hopefully not, um, you know, someone who's, you know, like a race relations would be important, you know, um, you know, I think even the government has that, you know, so to really understand, you know, people, some of the issues that people have gone through, you know, like, for example, um, you know, like, you know, about Filipinos and the brain drain, right, you know, um, even in, even among Asian American uh, history in, in um, at Berkeley, they don't really talk about the other parts of Asia of, of Asian like the Hmong, the Cambodian, you know, that came here because you know of the of the geopolitical strategy during the Vietnam War, right? Because it's just not just Vietnamese. I mean, it was just not Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Indians, right? Because you have the Hmong, the Cambodians, you know, who came here because of the war. Um, you have the Vietnamese, right? And, and their social, political, economic powers are completely different, right? Um, you know, and then later on, now, you know, with, with the whole blockchain, you know, I think it's changing. It's different. And then I think we kind of see that. Um, so I think, I think, you know, um, even like knowing Panama, right, how trade has changed, um, you know, like different countries in Africa, you know, for some of the, for the blockchain projects, you know, and their needs, I think those are really important. I think it's important to be sensitive, um, and to really understand the culture. And when you're creating AI, when you're creating conversations and serving, you know, those communities, you need to understand those communities. And you can just make it up.
Mm-hmm. And uh, this kind of this brings us full circle back yeah, to so, some of the work so that you're was, doing with Elevate you know, for, the Consciousness. For, um, how are you tying you know, all of I, these different I, things it's together It's really, it's, you know, the name kind of comes from like just elevating higher consciousness, which I was kind of interested in. Um, you know, like how do we, how do we may help humans become more aware or even self-aware, right? You know, um, and I, I think it's just, you know, like, like I said, it, I think we as a state is awesome, right? So, so I think, I think, you know, in mindfulness, we accept ourselves as is, you know, and we're grateful for everything that we have. Um, at the same time, we want to um, become whole, right? As a person, you know, and, and I think extending that to the world is to say, you know, what can I do? You know, like I'm just one person, but what can I do to help society and help the world become one to become better? Um, so, and I choose my projects based on that, you know, so. You know, the founders I work with now are super awesome. You know, the projects, you know, indirectly or directly help the world um, and, and people to be better. Um, and I also do a lot of, like, you know, my radio show, I, you know, talk about nuclear fusion, which is like moonshots, you know. But I, I feel like, you know, energy is part of the, the sun, you know. Um, it's, it's, you know, part of the sun. It, it helps blockchain, but it also helps us to conserve energy and it's green. You know, and, and, you know, spiritually, you know, there's also spiritual energy, right? You know, so I, I think it's kind of important um, to really start, become more aware of different challenges, you know, that we see. Um, and kind of like connecting everyone and not, you know, I mean, I mean, like really simply, just really like it's, it's fighting eagle I mean most of the time I think I think the hardest thing is eagle and it's not really like I can go and volunteer at this project you know that's cool right but when where there's conflict it's always around the eagle right so oh you know am I better than you is this person better but like why did like what if it doesn't matter you know what if like I'm helping a woman there because she's good you know and she has a perspective that she could share you know with the other parts of the community Right. So when we really kind of like think about the world and put that before like people, you know, I think your perspective, your perspective kind of change, you know, so you, you kind of like you don't really focus on your ego that much. You more you're more focused on, you know, how do I help? the world how do I help you know this company help the world or how do I help this founder lead so that he can better lead the company that helps the world right so I think I think your you know your direction and your values are more aligned and I think that's what I love about you know about that and even when we did uh, conferences conferences you know I think the first one was hats walk you know um you know I think it was humanity arts technology and science and then displaying technology do a runway 
you know, not just fashion, but like 3D, you know, and that's, that's our idea. We didn't have a lot of sponsor, sponsors for our first one, you know, but I really wanted to, and, and that's fine because, you know what, I watch a lot of Project Runway and, you know, and like I really, really love the show. And I remember I was watching some of the early shows, you know, they were doing, having runway just at hotels, you know, and I was just like, you know, as long as we have that spirit of, like, you know, really allowing the community to really talk. You know, it was a very diverse, you know, group of people who were speaking too, and I, I wanted that. And I did not design the part, you know, I think the speakers that way. It was more of like, like over over that last six months, people basically reached out to me, and they were awesome. And they were like from all walks of life, different colors, you know, different expertise. You know, they were like super awesome, right? And I was just like, well you know, like, you're really good with security, and you're really passionate about it, why don't you speak about it, right, or, you know, um, you know, you're in Georgia, and you help with, you know, legislation, why don't you talk about your experience helping with legislation, right, and, like, even me being involved, um, I, so I, I, I go to Sacramento to help shape blockchain bills you know i wasn't paid or anything <laughs> and, and basically i have to like like i gotta wake up really early to go to the city and then carpool to sacramento um yeah, and i did it you know so that it it helps you know with the, with the ecosystem you know and I, I really believe in the ethos you know that you know for in the next revolution like the internet i don't want you know all the men to lead it you know, I don't want all the companies to have concentrated power. You know, I want, you know, consumers to play a big part of it. I want them to be incentivized and rewarded, you know. So when you really, like, look at it that way, you know, I, I think, you know, you see you see your contribution and, and you know, um, different things differently. You know, it's, it's interesting, Michelle, because you've come to this point, not from, and, and, you know, you're driven by this, this unwavering optimism. And it's a very logical optimism, like you're a lawyer, like you can poke holes in anything. And we live in a time when consciousness is kind of taking some receding steps back. And I'd love to hear just Number one, how do you yeah, reinforce um, that optimism? So this two, is so funny. How do you um, encourage people to? So I'm not like step a into that next plateau and, and of this consciousness, is like, whatever that weird, is. Right. So I've like grew up going to church actually, and um, you know when you go to church, you know like you don't talk about spirituality um, at all. Not really, right? I mean, you pray, you know, and you have like a personal relationship with God, you know, but. You know, there's just really things that people don't talk about. And I've been to church enough that that I see the divide, like, you know, um, and also the hypocrisy. That's what you say. You know, like, I'll go to church and people will get drunk, right? Or, you know, like, where you go to church when it's just all Korean or Asian or all white? You know, it's like super weird, right? Or the men sit on one side and the women sit on one side. Um, so I'm like really conscious of that, but, but also thoughts, you know, so, so here's a point, you know, if you go to law school, you learn, you read all these like 
bad things in every single case, you know, and you become and you train your mind to be paranoid, right? You go to church, what do you learn? It's dichotomy, you know, the difference between us versus them, you know, sin, you know, versus good things, right? You know, God versus devil, right? So, you know, you, you view the world very differently. You know, you go to startup events, and I gotta say startup events because I go to some of these. You learn how that is really hard to start a successful company. You know, it's really difficult and it's really hard to fundraise. You know, you go enough to those, you, you know, like you just, just, just makes you go, drive, drive you crazy, right? You know, and, and if you go into enough like female founders thing, you know, you'll probably learn like that females never create companies. And they never become leaders, right? So you really have to detach yourself, like, from those things, and kind of consciously decide what you want to know and what you believe. I do not listen to the news. I don't watch TV. Um, you know, and I don't. I only go to certain entrepreneur event. I've never been to a female founder convention, even though I belong to some of the groups. And you know, and I've like created panels that are all women. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad because like I did want my young entrepreneur panel for VLAP and I noticed that there's not a lot of young female entrepreneur on them. And so one year we had a young entrepreneur woman in one of the panel, which took, you know, a lot of work internally to make that happen. You know, it was like to make sure that it's not affirmative action, you know, to, to perceive as affirmative action that she has a right to be there. Um, you know, so, so when we talk about consciousness, I'm not even talking about spirituality. I'm talking about being aware of your environment and how it influences you and making conscious and aware choices that would impact your life and the life of other people, right? Um, so, so that's one aspect of more practical way of consciousness. Um, I think that's very important. Um, and then also another thing is, you know, when we talk about more of the mindfulness and more of the spirituality, consciousness, um, to, to really embrace, it, because I think there's interaction between consciousness, spirituality, and psychology, and also biologically, right? Like, so if you take care of your health, um, I think that's as important as taking care of your mind and your emotional aspect of yourself. Um, so I think having that spirituality is very important. Um, you know, even if you don't believe in God, some kind of higher power, um, to really be, be mindful of your emotional health, you know, um, like people who are going through divorce, breakups and stuff like that, because there are people there outside that take advantage of that. Um, you know, they wouldn't manipulate that. So I think that's why it's important to be really aware of that, and then, you know, of course, your body, right? Because, you know, you wanted to be able to to do things that make you happy, to really bring you to that emotional and spiritual state, right? So so I think, you know, it's, it's just really, consciousness is just really, like, you know, taking care of yourself, basically, and it, and it comes to self-love. Um, and having, you know, your me time, um, you know, it, being able to meditate or not meditate. I mean, you know, and I'm just saying that saying that because like I thought meditation 
is not cool at some point in my life. Because I was just like, oh my god, people meditate, what is that, right? And then, like, I, like, my mind runs, like, miles, and, like, people say that I think in multi-layers, so, like, and I can't be still, right? But then, like, I've gone to mindfulness retreat where I just let my mind run, and it's fine, you know? And I just kind of learned, I just kind of learned that, um, and then, like, also being aware of yourself, like, um, like, sometimes, and just, you know, like, there's, like, the four agreements, you know, and then there's, like, other books about the subconscious and having self-confidence and stuff like that. I think, like, Brene Brown talks about shame and action. So being able to letting go of yourself and accepting yourself and, and being very, accept, it allows you to help you to become more accepting accepting of others i think is very important too because you become very you will be able to let go and that's related to consciousness because every day people will do things that ever take the hell out of you um because nobody's perfect you know like your significant other your boyfriend your dog you know teacher like your friends you know like and, and you have to basically like you know be like okay that's cool you know and and no you know like that's you and and that's your choice right not not controlling you know you know i think i think that's really important right because you know letting people make their own decisions about their life i think it's really hard like you know it's really letting go of the ego you know and so consciousness basically encompasses all of that Wow. And <laughs> uh, sure. you know, I'd love to hear. Um, so it's around like kind of uh, when just, when you became oh conscious. Of the like it was probably around 2012. Like you know, I just left PayPal, and you know, um, I feel like I feel like I like had and people call it like a conscious awakening, you know. So I, I probably I probably had that. And I was reading a lot of, like, a lot about self-love, and I was reading a lot about, um, like, incidentally, actually, um, because I read a lot of books, like, I go through books, like, water, (laughs) seriously. Um, I have, like, a library at home, I have, like, 10,000 audibles or something, you know, like, from years ago, and um, I can read all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I was, like, I was, like, reading a lot of, like, Brene Brown, um, and then I was also doing a lot of like, oh, we were talking about inner child, like a lot of inner child work. So I was reading a lot of like psychology books on, um, you know, like uh, the intimacy factor. It talks about like, you know, insecurity, you know, like like being being like stuck up is a form of insecurity. And then being meek is also a form of insecurity. You know, a lot of, like, co-creation stuff, you know. Um, like, I, I was really afraid of, like, you know, like, I was trained to be normal, you know, like, at work. So then I had to read a lot of books that that makes me feel okay to be abnormal, you know. Because, like, like even when I was in college, people were like, you're weird, you know. Um, I'm like, weird, right? Like, like you're weird. Like, I, I get told, like, a lot, right? And, like, when I meet with my salespeople, even after PayPal, oh, my God, you're so into technology, you're weird. Like, you're supposed to be a lawyer. Why are you doing this, you know? Um, so, so really, like, like to really kind of not care about that 
um, and to be able to create beyond what other people see you, I think, you know, um, so I just went through all of that. I, I, you know, did my inner child work, you know, I actually read one book like three times. Um, and then also from life experiences too, I was going through some stuff like at that time, I, I felt like I like almost died. I mean, like emotionally died, like, like and people call that the dark nights of the soul, you know, and, um, only certain people understand it. Um, but I mean, in terms of the concept, you know, and it's really so weird because like I would go to conferences in New York, like a business conference. And then people were talking about Brene Brown and like, well, people were like, well, I'm looking for a book. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like recommend the gift of imperfections by Brene Brown. And then, then he was talking about dark nights of the soul. And I was just like, what is the dark night of the soul? And then like, then I was looking it up. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like when you go through hell, like, and it could be anything, job, relationships and stuff like that. And then your whole life changed, right? And so now, like when people are like, oh, I'm going through a divorce. I'm going through like a job loss. Or I'm like, oh yeah, maybe it's good for you. <laughs> because maybe that's like, oh yeah. So there's a hurricane or, you know, so your whole business is wiped out. So that's like the dark night of the soul. So like a lot of people, like I feel like I'm learning about consciousness, but from different people that I meet. And it's super weird. And these are in like the weird setting. You know, like business trips. People were talking about that. Like what? You know, I would go to like um, a Periscope summit and like the two people that who sat next to me are like dancer, like energy dancers and stuff. Like what? Like super weird, like, you know, like so, so I think I, I just feel like I just embrace it. So it's like super normal now. You know, um, I'll go to, I just went to an entrepreneur event in Italy. And then, of course, you know, the guy was talking about simulation. <laughs> you know, and it's like super normal for me now. And and I'm okay. Because before when I, you know, like I was just really quiet about consciousness. Because I was like, oh my God, it's just so weird. Like nobody talks about this stuff. And then all of a sudden, my friend who is into physics, you know, like was talking to about consciousness with me. I'm like really like you're into consciousness do you want to go to like brain synchronization with me <laughs> like in san francisco at consciousness hacking and he was just like i love this stuff right and i was just like oh my god and then i went to um global consciousness at stanford and then i met like tech people there and i was just like oh my god like like you talk about this you know and it's like not weird so i think um so I guess I didn't know it, but it's, consciousness is actually, we're hacking our mind, it's actually kind of like the future of mindfulness kind of thing, you know? And so I kind of like stumbled upon it and I thought it was tattoo, but then I guess we can, t I guess people talk about it and it's awesome now. And, and you know, that, that consciousness hacking kind of grew worldwide, you know? And like, and then I'll go to a blockchain conference and then like I've met like a friend that talks about consciousness. Like it's super weird. You know, so, so then, and I was like, kind of like giving um, mindfulness, like uh, online seminars, you know, from people around the world. And we basically just kind of talk about, you know, like, uh, like our beliefs, you know, uh, you know, like a how do we take care of our health? What kind of stuff we do for fun, uh, inner child work, things that affect us, you know, um, so that we can be stronger and so that we, you know, are more focused, you know, um, or more more conscious. And that was really cool. So I did that like for about six months or, or to a year religiously, you know, and, and that was really cool. I think I think some of the people who went there really wanted, you know, wanted to do it again, 
you know, so we make vision boards, you know, um, you know, about, th- about things that we want or goals and, you know, jobs, you know, like visions of ourselves. Um, so it was like, that was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was just, it's just random. It's not like a company or anything. I was just doing it on, on, on Facebook <laughs> and I was just like, Hey, you guys want to do this? So. <laughs> So one of the things that a lot of people struggle with who are trying to start something is kind of a, they either run, in, they run into something called imposter syndrome or some kind of variation of, you know, kind of a lack of confidence or recognition mm-hmm. that they're doing something, that they're mm-hmm. making progress, that they're doing something successful. And I think part of the, part of the problem is that people's successes yeah. are very visible out there. The things that people do and they accomplish, they're kind of all over the place. Um, but people don't see a lot of the failures that go in, into those successes. And, yeah. you know, you've, you've done all of these amazing things. Yeah, like all the time. You know, like, you know, I think... Do you have a, a story of... You know, I think, of, like, of, uh, you know, usually you when, run into when you're an entrepreneur... How you've you dealt know, with like, that and how you've You know, like, so forward. you have people who don't believe in you. Like, they, you know, like, I, I got rejected, you know, by Singularity University. But, you know, like, that's the only program that I, like, kind of applied to. You know, like, I, I remember that I wanted to be a speaker at one of my friends' conference, and I was completely rejected, you know, because even though I made, oh, and, like, even, like, Facebook at F8, like, I got rejected to that, and I made tons of plots, you know? <laughs> it was kind of funny. Like, I, I mean, I'm, and even as a woman, like, I would, um, like, I make games, right? So I make, like, I love games. I actually spent the whole Labor Day weekend, like, designing physics for a game. And I would go to, like, conferences in San Francisco or just, like, meetups, and, you know, they're like, you're a developer? I'm like, yeah you know, and they would, like, ask for credentials and stuff like that. If you're a publisher, you have to, like, you know, show them the website, and they would, like, question you, like, a couple times, you know, and then, like, once you walk in there, they don't even believe you, you know, so, so a lot of that, and, like, even fundraising, right, so I was talking to someone, they're, like, well, you're not doing heart tech, you know, so, you know, so most likely you won't get funded. I think it's just kind of like a risk, you know, that, that you, that, one need to take and then also another one I, I really think about is besides money and rejection is that like for teams you know like sometimes when things are not perfect people leave right so your team is very dispersed you know and, and you have to get used to that because like you might have a vision that they don't see you know um like for me it's a little bit positive because i see it as you know like a lot of people got divorced you know during the house you know, when, when the house market went down, right? But, you know, if they kept it, they might have been millionaires now because the market is really high right now. You know, but for me, it's like cleansing because, like, I feel like if they have the wrong motive, they won't last, you know, um, and they won't be gone. And I think it's really good for the company because then, or the project, because then if they're not there, they, you know, maybe they're not really a good fit for them. You know, in terms of like, because I think when you're doing a startup, a lot of people want to join because they want the stock or the tokens, you know, um, whatever, you know, you know, money, what are they looking for? Or a title, right, that they want, you know, and when you're basically working on a project, because sometimes it takes a long time to actually finish a project. 
you know, and it takes a lot of faith, a lot of work. You know, like when you really think about Facebook and some of these big companies, they don't become Facebook today, like out of the blue. You know, there's processes and steps that they take, right? So sometimes, you know, like I remember I was giving feedback on LinkedIn when LinkedIn just started. And I remember like, you know, like all of the things that <laughs> feedback that I gave. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, your lines are so small and you could be really critical and nothing worked. And, you know, the engineers are gone and, you know, so all that kind of stuff, right? That happens. You know what? What happened now? Like, you know, they're like a multi, you know, like they, they were sold to make us all, you know? So I think sometimes you really, really have to think about, you know, the bigger picture. You know, and when people, one of the hardest things is when people leave a project that you like, you know, so it's always hard to actually let go of people as well. So I think that was, that was one of my hardest thing. It's like, well, when people like leave altogether or when they, you know, when you have to actually let someone go and you switch projects, switch roles too, because it has to deal with people's ego. That's always very hard, you know, um, and people usually don't like that. But sometimes we really think about the big picture. Like if you think about what is the best interest of the company, it's a lot better to say, hey, you know, I was like a CFO, but I'm not a CFO anymore. You know, I'm a director. You know, like, why does these title matter? You know, like, if it's better for the company to have a different CFO and you're working on another part of the company because that's what your strengths are, maybe that's more important, right? So, you know, so I think sometimes, you know, um, having that vision and, and, you know, like, growing the team, you know, I think is very important, you know, and, and I think... I think those things sometimes could be disheartening. That makes sense. So I think we're probably running um, up on time soon. On, uh, uh, but I wanted to ask you, is there, is there something you want to plug or someplace uh, uh, you want to send people to learn more slash. about things you're working on? Um, IN slash laptop radio, or you can find me on Medium. Um, you can just probably look up my name there and you'll find me. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, kind of, yeah, yeah, thanks pulling, for having going me. full so circle fun. to this this concept of letting go. I feel like I have to let go of this conversation, but this has been amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been really yeah, interesting to though, right? talk about yeah. everything from artificial intelligence to consciousness to the intersection in between. <laughs> we went really full circle. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. Please subscribe to our podcast for more discussions like this one and visit storyhackers.com for more content.